church, you're like, this is our family, we're all in, man, that, that is your next step. I want to call you to that. Uh, I would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here. If you have questions about who we are, how you fit in here, what God is doing here at Real Life 101 is where everyone starts. We run this every other week, every month. We would love for you to be a part of it. It's during this service upstairs, and uh, it's who we are, what we believe, uh, what tithing is all about, how we're structured as a church. You got to get there. All the info is on our website. You can register right there and uh, join us for that next one. Well, we begin a new conversation today that I am excited about. We're going to spend the next several weeks studying parables of Jesus. These are stories Jesus told because we want to know what his kingdom is all about. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, would you turn to Matthew chapter 13 today? If you don't know where that's at, you can Google it. You can ask somebody nearby you. Uh, Matthew is a uh, first book in the New Testament story of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching. And uh, I love Matthew 13 particularly because it's just chocked full of these stories that Jesus is telling to help people understand what his kingdom is all about. I'm passionate about this conversation because we've all been drug up in the world, really drug along by our sinful desires. And all many of us know is maybe I'm coming to know Jesus right now or I've, I've gotten to know Jesus, but I, I don't really know the difference between um, the kingdom of this world and Jesus' kingdom. And I'm not sure how to go from here or where to go from here, what it looks like to walk Jesus' way. And so his kingdom is this visionary picture that he's always painting, helping us to discern this is Jesus' way. This is the way of his kingdom. This is the kingdom that he is inviting us to be a part of. And so I'm excited to dive in today. And we're going to start here in Matthew 13, right in the middle of the chapter, because the disciples of Jesus, these these 12 guys that he picked, unlikely ones, fishermen and tax collectors and zealots, people that were, were just kind of all different walks of life, he pulled together this crew to disciple them and teach them how to go make disciples. And they're confused by all these stories. Why are you telling these parables, they ask, in, in verse 10 of chapter 13. And Jesus explains. And I want to start here today because I think it'll help build the foundation for this next several weeks as we are unpacking all of these parables together. Let's look at it. Verse 10, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. There's a sense of mystery, secrets. There's this understanding, this wisdom that's below the surface, and it's been given to you, but not to everyone, not to them. He says, whoever has, like this understanding, this awareness, will be given more. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Jesus says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, same passage, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, become hard-hearted. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. 
Jesus says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, disciples, because they see, your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets, righteous men, long to see what you see, but did not see it, to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. I'm going to stop right there. What is Jesus getting at in this passage? Why does he tell parables? Is there a sense that there's something that he's intentionally covering? He's almost keeping it a little hidden on purpose. There's people that might hear of it, about it, but not understand it. And then there's people that really have done something, changed something, sought after something, and they get it. They see it. They perceive it. They understand it. And they're actually healed because of it. What's the difference? What is Jesus getting at here? That's what I want to unpack today. Let's pray as we look to God's word. Lord, we just ask you to be here now powerfully, speaking, leading, directing, moving, revealing, God, we want a revelation of who you are, of your love, of your goodness. God, would your love be here powerfully, palpably, God, would you, your presence be here right now, God? Would your word come alive? Would your spirit be speaking, healing, changing, moving? God, we just invite you here in a powerful way. Speak to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been golfing. I like golf. I love golf, and I hate golf at the same time. Any golfers know what I'm talking about. Yes, it is one of those maddening and amazing games. It is super fun because it is brutally honest. There is nothing about golf that you can fake. If you hit a bad shot, it is a bad shot. If you hit a good shot, it's a good shot. And those few good shots in a game kind of keep you coming back, thinking maybe I can string a few more of these good shots together next time. And it's just kind of this, like, cycle of learning and growth. And it's very rewarding when you see growth and improvement in your game. And uh, I haven't golfed for a long time, just the last couple of years. And, and, and as I've been getting more and more into it, this summer specifically, uh, man, I've seen improvement. And it's exciting. And uh, I was golfing just a few weeks ago, and I was golfing by myself, which maybe is a mistake. My wife kind of makes fun of me when I do this. But uh, it's kind of fun to get out there and just, like, me versus the course, you know, and, and uh, compete. And it's going to be awesome. I get done with the, the front nine, and it's one of those 104-degree days, and I decided to walk this course. I have no idea why, but I'm like, let's, let's walk. Let's get some exercise, and it's hot out. And I get done with the front nine, and I'm literally on my way to the best round I've ever had, and I am stoked, and I'm, like, so excited. I get to number 10, and my um, first three shots are a complete mess, and I end up three over par, the triple bogey on this hole, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm falling apart. I get to number 11, and my tee shot literally just cruises right into the trees. I make my way into the trees with a bit of courage, like, I can still salvage this hole. Like, I can make this happen until I hit the same tree twice in a row, and it lands back at my feet again. It's like the most discouraging game. I hate this game. I, I want to quit. I, wanna, I want everything to just be done at this point. It's hot out. I'm thirsty. Like, this game sucks. Right? I don't want to do any of this. And I get out of the trees eventually. I think it took me three hits to get out of the trees. And I think it was a par four, so I'm already, like, just hosed on this hole. Finally start putting out, and, and I found myself at a crossroads I never thought I would be at. I keep score on my phone, on the app, you know, and... I can put whatever score I want to put in there. <laughs> and, and I am golfing all by myself right now. And I, I have never been so tempted to lie to myself in my life. 
until it hit me. I'm like, what are you doing? You, you, you are lying to yourself. There is nobody here but you. And I put in the stupid score, put my phone in my pocket, and I walked to the next hole. I almost just walked straight to my car, but, but, I, but I did. I kept going. And I was just thinking about how, how crazy is it that, that you would, Richie, you would lie to yourself about a golf game? Like, try to improve your score in your own mind, and your own heart. Well, I had the best front nine I've ever had. I don't want to ruin that score. And there's this, like, this longing inside me to just, like, not, not let it fall apart like this. And it's weird that, that we would lie to ourselves like this. But I think it happens. Where, where we're a little maybe blinded by circumstances in our life. I think about relationships. Many of us have had... A lot of brokenness the last couple of years in relationships. And the forgiveness is hard to come by. You've been blinded in relationship because they've hurt you so bad. It's their fault. And you just can't let it go. Or maybe it's, it's, it's a sense of, of trust, right? Like, I would love to trust people again. Those people are out of my life. And I hope that, that they're never coming back. And maybe, maybe anybody else would be the same. And so maybe I'm just going to keep them at a distance. And it's like this sense of like blindness creeps into our relationships or even our religion. You found yourself doing the right stuff a lot and kind of found yourself looking over your shoulder, looking at everyone else and comparing yourself to them and feeling a little better about yourself as you look at how messed up their life is. And this self-righteousness has grown in your heart to a place where blindness has kind of crept in and owned you. Maybe it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Your, your past is so messed up. You are blinded by all that you have done that you think there is no way that there is a God that could love me, could forgive me, could heal me. Some of us have gotten blinded by apathy. It started with a, just a simple not feeling it kind of a week. But those weeks began to stack on top of each other, and now we find ourselves really not into a relationship with God or not into an awareness of who he is. And it's really hard to kind of kickstart our hearts back into this place where we want to even find out who God is and what he thinks about our lives. Maybe you've been blinded by addiction. The pattern of addiction and brokenness has just owned you for so long that you found yourself now with this, this language in your head and in your life that says, this is the way I am. And this is the way I will always be. And that finality uh, has just owned you. You've been blinded by this addiction, or maybe it's by success that you've been blinded. Everything's worked really well. The money just keeps flowing, the jobs keep coming, the work just keeps making sense, or the degrees just keep working for you, and things just happen the way you want them to happen. So much so that you have a hard time admitting like where you stop and God starts and where you might actually need God in your life because you've got it pretty well together. I think lying to ourselves is... is is an issue that we all struggle with. It's not something we like to admit, but it's something that I think Jesus is kind of poking at in this passage in Matthew 13 where where there's this understanding that there's people that hear and people that don't hear. 
There's people that see and perceive, and then people that see but don't perceive. Like, what, are their eyes closed, or what, are their, their ears plugged? Like, what, what, what is the difference here? I remember as a young guy in ministry learning to preach that I, I got a chance to preach at a youth service, and uh, God gave me a vision before I walked into this service. And I don't often have these, like, supernatural vision moments, but it was like I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't awake, but there was this real vivid image I was in the room that I was going to be preaching in later that day. And I remember the excitement in me as I'm standing in the back of the room and uh, young people are filing in, filling the seats, and this is going to be an awesome sermon, and, and I can't wait for it, and I'm just stoked, and I'm saying hi to these students. But then it was like God opened my eyes, and on every student's shoulder that walked past me was like this little demon. And the demons had their, their hands over the ears of every student. And it was like God opening my eyes to see that there's a spiritual battle that's going on here. That there's forces of evil that are actually trying to keep these young people from hearing what you are about to say. I'd been so consumed with my preparation. I'm, I'm a new preacher. I don't, I'm not good at preaching. I don't know how to do this. And so I've been just overwhelmed by this, that God had to get me to step back just a little bit and see a bigger picture, that there is a spiritual war going on for every single one of these souls. And right now it feels like the powers of darkness are winning in their lives. That put a sense of desperation in me that, that my preaching just went to a different place because I was pleading with these young people to hear what God was saying to them. It would have been easy just to kind of coast through this opportunity and, and, and mail it in like it's another chance, it's another speaking thing, it's, a, it's another Sunday where I'm supposed to go to church, I'm supposed to check this religious box. It is so easy for us to find our lives kind of in that neutral or that casual, that apathetic place where we're not really trying to hear, see, understand, really be healed. And, and I feel like a lot of times it's because we've been blinded by these ruts in our lives. Jesus references Isaiah 6 where he says their hearts have become callous. Think of a callous. A callous builds up. You use shovels a lot or you, you work with your hands a lot and, and, and there's this skin that just kind of gets over the top so it protects you from blisters. The more you use it, the tougher it gets. And our hearts have gotten calloused this way, he says. So even though we're seeing, we're not perceiving. Even though we're, we're hearing, we're not understanding. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, you want to you be a part of my kingdom. I got to hide these stories. I got to hide my kingdom under the surface of these stories because it's like the kingdom is predicated on this hunger, this desperation, this, this desire for God to do something that only God can do. The desperate ones will, will press through and seek and find. The ones that are hungry enough will really get to the core of what my kingdom is all about. There will be the ones that can actually hear. And, and Jesus says to his disciples, you're blessed because you're, you're seeing. You are so blessed because you're hearing. People have longed and wanted to hear and see, but they haven't. And here you get to experience this in such a powerful and real way. Jesus is saying, I got to tell these parables because I got to kind of filter it for people. There's some people that just don't want it. And the kingdom is it's open to everyone, but not everyone recognizes how desperate they are for salvation, how blind they are, how crippled they are, 
how broken they are. Jesus is being accused of helping all these crazy sinners one time <laughs> by these religious people. And he goes, you know, guys, I didn't, I didn't come. A physician doesn't come for the healthy people. He comes for the sick ones. I didn't come to, to bring salvation to the righteous, but to the sinners. Jesus' church was never intended to be a country club for all those that are already cleaned up. It was always to be a hospital for those that recognize how desperate they are for salvation. And so I got I to gotta, I gotta put my, my kingdom kind of under the surface so that the hungry ones will come after it, will seek, will find, will knock, will try to understand who I am and what I'm about. And I love this because there's this, this urgency in this passage be easy maybe for you to feel like, oh, man, can I, can I hear? Can I see? Can I understand? Jesus, you'll see it as we get preaching through this series. He'll end a lot of parables with this statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's like this, this sense of like, do you have ears? Can you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And I love that statement because there's this kind of obviousness, well, I've got ears and I hear you. But do you really hear me, is what he's saying. Are you really listening? Are you really seeking? Are you really longing? Are you really desperate for, for my kingdom to be alive in your heart? Or are you content with the world? The thing that was never designed to satisfy you, that you are enamored with and overwhelmed with, all the pursuits of this world, man, are you done with that yet? And have you gotten to a place of desperation where you recognize this world will never satisfy me? Only relationship with God is where I will find satisfaction for this soul. Only in right relationship with God will I understand that this life has significance. Outside of that, I will just be chasing the wind. And, and are you done chasing the wind? Is Jesus really what he's saying? Are you done with that? It doesn't throw work out. It doesn't throw kids out. It doesn't throw all these other pursuits out. But we got to contextualize them in the understanding that there is an eternal kingdom that is being built. It is the kingdom of heaven. And there is an invitation for every single one of us to have a heart that's hungry enough to know and to hear and to perceive and to see that this is God making an invitation for all of us to be a part of what he's doing. There was a guy... In John chapter 5, that had been an invalid for 38 years. And he was laying by a pool. It was like a magical pool because an angel would come and stir it up. And then as soon as it was stirred, whoever, like the first crippled person that got into the pool was healed. It had this reputation of this. And I don't know how to explain this to you or, or, or whatever, but, but Jesus found this guy. And there's probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people laying around this pool. And he finds this one guy who's been crippled for 38 years, and he asks him this question, do you want to get well? And at first, I'm kind of offended for the guy. Jesus, come on. Of course I want to get well. I'm, I'm here, aren't I? I'm in this space, aren't I? But when he asks that to the guy, he kind of starts to, Kind of it falls apart a little bit. Well, I would love to, but I can't get down there, and there's nobody to help me, and somebody else always gets in there ahead of me, and, and, and I'd love to be healed, but, but I can't. Jesus miraculously heals this guy in this moment. But the question is what gets me. Do you want to get well? 
That's what stirs my heart in this passage. You're going, man, how, how broken do you have to be that 38 years of being crippled has just kind of gotten normal? This is the way it is. This is the way life is, and I would love to be healed, but it's just not really happening right now. And I think that we're not much different, if we're honest, that we find ourselves with all kinds of broken places in our life, blind deaf places in our lives that we've just gotten used to. And I wonder if this fall, as we walk through these stories this next several weeks, I've been praying that God would stir something in us. A dissatisfaction with the way things have been in our own lives. A hunger to experience God in a real way. Not in a distant way, but in a powerful way. A stirring that says, God, I I am desperate for healing in this life. I'm not satisfied with where things are. I want to know you. I want to know your kingdom. I want to know your leadership. I want to be changed by you. I want to be healed by you, God. If I'm not seen, show me. Take the scales off my eyes. If I'm not hearing, God, pull the, the plugs out of my ears, God. Whatever I'm missing, God, I'm in. I want to know. I want to hear. And I think that this is the kind of urgency that, that Jesus is wanting his people to have. Like, like entrance into his kingdom is predicated on this desperation. Hunger for God. Hunger for him to move in your life. And I can't help but just think, if we've gotten ourselves maybe a little stuck or a little used to our stuckness, what God might want to shake loose in us today. There were some guys that were religious leaders that were mad at Jesus because he healed a guy that was born blind. This is maybe the other side of it. There's the invalid by the pool, and then there's these religious guys. Jesus heals this guy, and it's miraculous in John chapter 9. But they're mad at Jesus. And they're trying to figure out why this guy was blind in the first place. Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And he confronts them. He's like, I don't know what you guys are trying to figure out. All I know is I'm healed. I couldn't see, and now I can see. And this guy, Jesus, healed me. And so I'm going to worship him and follow him. And I think he's God. And I think you all need to wake up and figure that out too. And they're like, how dare you kick him out of the church? We're right. You're wrong. He's wrong. Our way is right. Your way is not right. Like, they're just so, so overwhelmed and consumed with their own version of seeing that they can't see the kingdom right in front of them. Jesus, after this guy gets kicked out of the church for being healed, I mean, the irony, right? He goes and finds him. And he reveals himself to him. And he says to this guy in John 9, 39, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see, or another translation says those who think they can see, will become blind. Some of the religious leaders, these Pharisees who were with them, they overheard him say this and they asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus is like, well, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. 
And I show you both ends of the spectrum. Those that have gotten so used to their brokenness that they're no longer desperate for healing. Or those that are so self-righteous that they don't think they need healing. That I think God wants just to bring wherever you're at in this story to a place of humility and desperation. He wants all of us to understand that there is an entrance into his kingdom that's predicated on this desperate need for God, a hunger for God to move in our lives, that we would not be content with status quo spiritually in our lives, that we would not allow this lackadaisical approach to spirituality to ruin the work of God in our lives, that we would have a real legitimate hunger in our hearts for God to move for God to show up, for God to heal, for God to speak, for God to do something supernatural. I love the prophet Jeremiah. God speaks through him and says, in Jeremiah 29, he says, you seek me, you will seek me, and you will find me. I love the word when. When you seek me with all your heart. You have a decision to make in this. Will I recognize my brokenness? Will I recognize how desperate my situation really is? Will I make a decision to passionately seek Jesus, his kingdom, his kingdom first above every other kingdom? Will I, will I have a, a real conscious effort in my soul to not be satisfied with complacency, but to be awakened to a desire and a hunger for God to move powerfully in my life and through me? Passion. Doesn't just like, it's not an emotion. I was so convicted about this, this last week. So easy for passion. You look at people that are passionate around you, you're like, well, that must be nice. They have purpose. They clearly feel significant. And it's easy to get kind of jaded about this. But you know what I believe with all my heart? That passion is a choice that you make. You choose to bring your whole heart or not. You choose to bring all that you are to the equation. And somebody that recognizes that it's life or death, they're desperate. They will do whatever they got to do. And that wears off for some of us. That kind of just like flows away. Life is normal. Things are good. We're just getting back into the routine of stuff. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves just losing that passion. But I believe that passion is a choice that you and I get to make, that Jesus would invite us to make, a desire, a hunger for God, to get close to God. I think as a church, this is going to be a conversation over the next several weeks, but I'm going to keep asking us this question. Who do you want to become? Somebody that's continuing to just be in and around and kind of existing or like somebody that's really experiencing the kingdom of God the freedom that Jesus offers the healing that he's always talking about the joy of being a part of his kingdom the satisfaction of knowing that you are loved that you are accepted right where you are the kingdom is all about people who can see who can hear, who can understand, who are healed. People of the kingdom are constantly being made aware of our desperation for God. 
See, I think one of the tricks of the enemy is to get you to compare your spirituality to somebody else's. You go, oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's deceiving. Deceiving yourself. But when you and I compare ourselves to the holiness of God, when you just think for a moment, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, the Holy One of God. Can't even hardly say these words without just this sense of like overwhelmness. That there would be an awe, and a fear, and a reverence that would flood our hearts. God, you are so good. You're so big. You're so overwhelming, God. I want to be near you. I want to be like you. I want to be in your presence, God. I want to be changed. I want to be whole. See, a calloused heart comes when we lose track of how holy and good our God is. But a soft heart comes as we just get into his presence. As we see him for who he really is, we recognize how desperate we are for his salvation, for his healing, for his work in our lives to make us who he's called us to be and designed us to be. So I wanna call you today to become a people of the kingdom, people who are desperately seeking the kingdom, have a real honest hunger for God. Maybe you just need to close your eyes for a moment. Just express that to him. God, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to experience you. I don't want to be complacent, satisfied with status quo. I want to hear. I want to see. I want to have eyes that can see, ears that can hear. Maybe a genuine repentance needs to just kind of fill your heart. I've been lazy. I've been allowing myself to pursue things that were never meant to satisfy me. I've been blinded. I've been making excuses. Just turning to him right now, God, I, I just repent of this. I repent, God. Lastly, I would say this, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're beginning one right now because you're just overwhelmed by his goodness and his love, that God would send his son for you. That place of repentance, our response is to put our faith in Jesus. Trust him for the salvation of your soul. Believe that God is gonna declare you right before him when he sees you at judgment one day. And that, that repentant heart responds. The response we always see in scripture, what Jesus commanded is baptism. That's why we celebrate people being baptized around here all the time. That's why we got shorts and shirts and towels ready for you today. If you're at that spot, we wanna call you to take that step today. Every time in scripture that happens, 
Somebody responds immediately. Side of the road, middle of the night, just got out of prison. They're being baptized. So we want to have that same kind of urgency to respond as Jesus speaks. When we stand to sing a song in a moment, head to the back. Our team will help you get ready for that. We'd love to celebrate with you in a moment. Would you stand to your feet with me? God, you see every one of us here. You see the different degrees of desperation and hunger. You see the the pride. You see the humility. Yet, God, you're drawing us to yourself. You are holy, God. And we desire you to be near you, to be like you, to be a people of your kingdom, God. Not our own kingdom, not of this world's kingdom, God, but yours. I pray you would just mark us as a people who are passionate, hungry, God, for your kingdom. Desiring, God, you to work in miraculous ways, God. Not allowing ourselves to shrink back, God, but choosing over and over and over again, God, a passion, a hunger for you. God, we want to know you. We want to see you. We want to experience you. We want to be changed by you, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We worship you in your name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together today. Head to the back if you're getting baptized.